Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Before I tell you number, name, anything, I need you to listen to me really carefully, because a lot of you just skip the intro segment. Don't do it today. You need to know what you're about to hear. I have a, uh, a not-safe-for-work uh, alert for you today. Uh, most of you guys know I will say occasionally words like shit or ass because, well, uh, they're called for in the discussion. Our guest today named Donnie Gerbert is talking about decentralizing governance. I'm going to be flat-out honest. There was a couple times during this interview that I thought about just telling Donnie, you know what, we're not doing this. Because some of the delivery and the animosity and the absolute hatred and contempt of, of things like police officers in this interview, well, even me, and you guys know how hard I am on police, pissed me off. They really did. So the reason that I let this interview go over an hour and a half and I let Donnie have what he had to say what he had to say is a couple things. Number one, even the parts of this interview that I, I, I disagree with the delivery, I don't disagree with the, the content. Um, the ideas at the base of why the anger is there are real. Um, my quote of the day for you today would be a good time to bring it up now is by Frederick Nietzsche. And it is everything the state says is a lie and everything it has, it has stolen. And, and I selected that, that, that quote before I really knew what I was getting into here with Donnie Gerbert. Um, and I think it applies very well still. And if you come from a standpoint of everything that the state says is a lie and everything that it has is stolen, which is, I, I have to tell you, it's an impossibility to argue that that's not true. There is no logical way in which you can argue that that's not true. If you believe the state as a construct itself is illegitimate, then it's very reasonable that somewhere in your walk you're going to turn into what Donnie Gerbert is right now. Very, very angry and very, very lashing out. And while I was always able to rein in 99% of this type of vitriol that you'll hear today on the air, you would hear me occasionally directed at an individual who did something that was particularly atrocious. You may even hear a little bit of that from me today when we talk about a certain cop that beat the living hell out of an old black woman walking down the highway whose only crime was walking down the center of the highway. And I don't mean on the highway, I mean in the median where she was relatively safe until he started beating the shit out of her. But I felt the way that's being vented here. And what I knew intrinsically was if you, if you try to explain things coming from some of the places you'll hear this come from today, you're going to lose people. And that there are better ways to make your point, and there's better ways to get thing do things done. But the root of what's being discussed is real, and a lot of the discussion is very, very insightful. So what I'm going to tell you is there are people that are listening to me right now that are getting a pretty low expectation, and you're going to get the end of this, and you're going to go, you know what, I, I, I love that. I love this guy. I want to hear more about him. I want to go listen to his other interviews he's done with other people. I want to support him. I don't know what you're talking about, Jack. And there's going to be some of you that go, eh, you know, he's all right. I can see some of the points he made. Don't agree with how he said some of it. Okay, guest, probably don't want to do this again. And I'm going to tell you right now, the middle group, you're going to get your wish. Um I would not bring this man back onto my show without a complete understanding that this is just not generally the way we have a discussion on, on, on the air. And it wasn't anything attacking me. Just We just don't do this. That We, we come from a, an intellectual level of the argument here, 
not ranting most of the time anyway. When I do rants, I try to do them for entertainment purposes, not out of flipping my shit. So, uh, and I don't know, Donnie might listen to this and be pissed off that I put this disclaimer in here. The main reason I put this disclaimer in here is because of the, the, the prolific use of the F word, which if you listen to my YouTube channel, you know I'm, I don't have any problem with I don't use it. But when I put this show together uh, in the beginning, there were certain phrases that I used, and a lot of people today still, I don't know why you have to say shit. I don't, you know, it's an adult show. Um, however, I did listen to reasonable people in this audience about where they wanted to be able to listen to the show, who they wanted to be able to share it with. And I was like, well, if, if somebody can't handle shit or ass, then you just don't need to share my show with them because they're not ready for it. Um, but I did listen and I did moderate by my own choice certain things that would not be said on the air here unless there was a disclaimer. So the biggest reason I'm putting it here is because this differs from the norm. Okay, so that if you choose to listen to this now, you can't be like, well, I caught me off guard. You didn't explain what was going to happen or whatever. All right. So hopefully most of y'all didn't skip through all that. and You did listen to it. And I'll reiterate it really briefly the second time right before I introduced Donnie. Uh, we already talked about our quote of the day, but I just want to say that one again, because, man, that is that is my position as a voluntarist as a whole, summed up in one simple sentence. Everything the state says is a lie, and everything that it has is stolen. And, and maybe that will help you understand a little bit about how angry uh, Donnie is when we bring him on. How can everything be a lie is what I, what I usually get as an objection when I bring up that quote. Because, Jack, you said that sometimes what the government says is true. It, it, it might be. Like, see, if the government tells you that, it, 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 like, in your school, in your government school, you should look both ways, Johnny, before you cross the street. Well, that's, like, you don't say, I'm not going to do that because the government said it. <laughs> You're dead, okay? You're dead if you don't listen to that. You get runned over, right? But the, the reason everything the government says is a lie is it says it from a position of authority, and the authority in of itself is a lie. The assertion that anybody anywhere has the right to tell you how to live your life or do anything to you or take things from you or harm you in any way except in the defense of themselves or others is a lie. And the entire state is predicated on the belief of this lie. When I bring Donnie on, if you think about it that way, you'll understand, and even though you may not fully agree, you know, maybe you'll be able to get something out of this interview. Before we do that, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is Safe Castle Royal. I call them the original survival podcast sponsor because they've been here for, well, a long time. Since I started the show in 2008, well, actually 2009. Because in 2008, Vic Rontala at Safe Castle said, hey, we want to sponsor the show. And I said, well, I have like 15 listeners, and I don't, I don't think that that's a good decision for me or for you, for you to give me money for 15 people to hear about you. Because I'll just tell them about you anyway for free, but how about I come back to you when I'm ready to take sponsors? Early in 2009, uh, as I decided to start monetizing the show, uh, I went to them and said, i got about 3,000 people now. You guys still want to do this? They said, yes, we made them a sponsor. They have everything you could ever want for your prepping needs. Check them out at safecastle.com. Next up today, knifekits.com. I really think that one of the coolest things you can do with your kids, dads, and moms is maybe build a knife with them. Maybe build a couple knives with them. So you'll learn how to use tools. You'll learn to do something you don't think you can do, and you'll build something uh, that might just be around for a very long time. You might start a hobby 
a side business, a side hustle, or even a full-time business, who knows? Knifekits.com is the easy way to get into knife making. You can learn more, well, you guessed it, at knifekits.com. And remember, SafeCastle and Knifekits both do discounts for members of my support brigade, which is another way you can support the show. But we're just going to skip right into that. I'm going to go ahead and bring Don Yon. I want to say one more time. Uh, this is a not-safe-for-work interview. Uh, and Donnie at times will say things specifically addressed at elected officials and police officers that many of you may find offensive. These are not ways I would choose to express myself. And you'll notice in this interview, I don't express myself those ways. Even though at some points I choose, since we're already down the path to use the F word myself, I think once in this interview, um, I tend to direct the actions Uh, direct my outrage at the actions of specific people where the outrage is to specific actions. Uh, and I'm also going to say that in this interview, you eventually will hear me toward the end, if you make it that far, tell Donnie, I think if, 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 uh, if tomorrow I hear that you got shot in the face and killed, I'm not going to feel good about it. I'm not going to be happy. I'll feel bad for you, but I'm not going to be surprised. And to be fair, his response to that was, was no, don't be surprised. So I am saying right here, That some of the ways this guy talks about how we should deal with law enforcement, if you do what he's telling you to do, even though he agrees when I push back on it, if you, if you act the way he's inferring that it is stupid and you should not do it, there are ways to assert your rights diplomatically with logic and reason and to stand firm. And you'll hear me talk about some ways that I personally do that. But if you approach somebody as an adversary, they're going to be an adversary. And I also think a few times in here he talks a little bit bigger than he is, just to be blunt. But I think the work he wants to do and the concept he has is important, and I hope if he listens to this that maybe he'll learn something from it because I think I would have preferred for this talk to go more into the mechanics of how you actually make the system that he is proposing, which I find very interesting, work. But that said, I think you'll get some interesting stuff from this one. I just don't want any bullshit from anybody out there. I can't believe it. I've warned you. And with that... Uh, hey, Donnie, man, welcome to the Survival Podcast. How you doing, Jack? I'm good, man. Hey, we've got you on today to talk about uh, a subject that's near and dear to my heart, which is uh, eliminating a significant portion of the state through uh, what you're calling uh, basically automating Congress and doing that uh, in, in some ways through blockchain, cryptocurrency, and things like that. So before we dig into that, which is a really cool subject, Can we start out with, tell us a little bit about yourself. I notice you have a military background, and specifically, like, you come from the officer uh, side of that things. And, and it always amazes me sometimes, I guess maybe not amazes me, it always I find it interesting, because I was a military guy myself, that people come out of the military where you're kind of conditioned to do the will of the state. I mean, that's really the purpose of the military in many ways. And yet, it seems some of our former military become some of our biggest advocates for reducing or eliminating the state. So how, how did that happen for you, that you even ended up in this space? Well, um, I, I'm, I'm actually not. I wasn't an officer. The, okay. the thing that I did is I bounced around with different jobs, and I trained exactly like an officer trains. Okay. My, my first job was logistics. My second was operations. My third was in the Navy. I did an electronic technician. And then I was military intelligence. So when you okay. rotate an officer through all of these positions, and I got inner service time because I did two services, that is functionally how you train those human beings into greater and larger aspects of the of the organization. I was just doing it because it was stuff that I didn't know how to do. Okay. 
But you're absolutely correct that those officers have to embrace the bureaucracy as a vehicle of change, whereas I didn't. I didn't have to really get too indoctrinated into how the system will just irrationally spend money and have you focus on your goal instead of the costs. And and I always so I always had this fiscal responsibility about me, and I really wasn't there to kill people for fun. I was there to learn how to do stuff and stand as a protector. So when you when you're looking at the aspects of protection, you don't really end up a state minded person. You're not trying to protect the government. You're trying to protect the humans. <clears throat> the enterprise isn't the thing to be preserved. The people is what's to be preserved. And now the focus is to keep the pension machine on. Excuse me. So that's why you see all these people having these kinds of moral conundrums with man is is Earth so messed up that we have to do this just to preserve civil society. And it seems that we've been kind of led astray in a lot of it. So uh, my focus was always, you know, constitutionalist. But even then, it comes down to alter or abolish if failing. And that's that's kind of where I'm at. I went through the military. I saw a bunch of stuff. They spent lots of money training me (laughs) on how to assess the situation and it looks like we need a constitutional convention. That's my assessment. Gotcha. I, I'll tell you, some of the, the, the word that you kind of hit on there that, that hit for me as a, as a former military guy is fiscal. So one of the things that maybe backfired with the, uh, the programming during my military time is by the age of 20 years old, I was running a motor pool, which I don't know if a 20-year-old really should be running a motor pool with you know multi-million dollars worth of equipment in it, but I was. And I remember getting a very, very angry phone call from uh, the XO one time because we were nearing the end of our fiscal year, and I still had money in my budget. Mm-hmm. I, Because I kind of went up really quick because I had to fill a higher-level slot type of thing. No one really explained to me what I was supposed to do, so I thought I did good. Mm-hmm. Right? I, thought, hey, I have extra parts for every vehicle. There's no way we're going to need them. These things never go anywhere. We're an aviation unit, for God's sakes, that doesn't deploy. Like... I've got everything, like, and he's like, if you don't spend that money, and then, you know, MF or so-and-so such, because this is the old military, uh, then we're going to lose that money next year, you dumb young mf And, you know, it was like, oh, okay, well, it, you just buy shit. So mm-hmm. I did. You know, I was like, I went, got all my guys here, I said, just go find anything we can buy. <laughs> just order everything. But that, to me, you know, I got out of the Army that next summer, and I was like, this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't make any sense at all. I am spending money we don't need to spend just so I get the money back next year. And then when I went into the business world, of course, that works totally different. So to me, the military in some ways, it kind of backfired. That's just one. But I'm sure there's probably similar things for you that you came out of the military with some views of things that were like, hey, that's that doesn't make any sense. See, when you say backfired, I say intentionally screwed up. Okay. <laughs> They put you they put you in a stressful situation yeah. and then they had to do what any good business owner would not. Mm. And that that was your training regimen and you were then given the attaboy for doing it precisely how what will make you go bankrupt in the real world. Correct. Yep. Correct. And I then guess- they send you out. They, they I mean they're they're pretty honest when they say we're gonna give you real life skills to help you in the world and yeah. all of those guys who are living underneath the bridges they look like they're on a bivouac site so you do get real life skills as long <laughs> as you're planning on being trained incorrectly and you plan on living underneath the bridge gotcha gotcha so let's start off with uh, I, I love the word that you're using here i've been using this word for a very long time over 10 years now individual secession right that's 
I think I have a, sh a show back in like number 200 somewhere that I talked about individual secession. But why should somebody consider individual secession or system migration um, as a decentralized legal structure? Um, you say this is actually something that would be species changing. W what do you mean by that? Um, so every secession requires agreement. Whenever you're going to have a group of people to have a government to begin with, there's some kind of agreement. Sure. But, but right now it's pretty obvious that the majority are not in agreement. Hmm. So if we talk about seceding as individuals, it precludes the next layer of stupid. I understand. <laughs> the next layer, well, here. No, it makes perfect, that's why I'm laughing. It makes perfect sense. Please go ahead. If we down from federal stupid to state stupid, we're still on stupid. And that's dumb. Also, one of the ways you fuck with someone is you place as many barriers in between you and their goal as you can. So the goal is we're going to give them what they want, but every place we can to slow them down, we slow them down. So we don't need to secede as a group in any particular reason. And one of the things I'll tell everybody is if you think why is important about anything, you are incorrect. It is only about how. Military science is about how to rube gold for people to death. It is not about ethics and morals. Now, if you want to learn how to do something, you learn how to do it in a military science, and you just make that shit happen. You get the budget, you buy the stuff, you set up the machine, and then you drop the bomb, and people die. Well, if you dial that back and you make it a little less savage, you do the same thing in your life with, I'm going to set a goal, I'm going to attain this goal, and the goal is not going to come via legislation or hypothesis is going to come from work and that work is going to have a budget you have a time and money budget so does every other enterprise on the planet so if we're going to look at how how would we fix the government the manner in which we fix it is just as important because we can't screw it up again there's no point you're not fixing anything so how to do this is you give every individual the right to secede And then we get together on the issues we're together on, and we don't on the stuff we don't, and we just stay out of each other's way about it. And for just about everything in politics, this is, this is like a 95% solution for almost everything in politics. You do what you do. Oh, I, sorry, I got a phone call. We don't put our money in the same bucket at all. That's it. And, and that's what individual secession is. You don't get taxed. You don't vote. You put the money towards what you want. And everybody who has is of like mind finds the same bucket as you do because they were looking for it. Instead of saying we have one bucket, everyone will contribute, and then we'll vote on how it gets spent. That's basically how it functions. So I, I've been talking about this for a long time in a, in a different way, more of a circle of concern versus circle of control. And... A limited individual secession is what that results in because I can then design my life with an understanding of the system to avoid and to redirect as much of that system as possible, but I still got to pay my income tax, right? I still got to pay my property tax if I want to keep my property. Uh, I still have to comply with certain things to drive on the state's roads, etc. Uh, so the, the limitation with individual secession to me has always been Well, great, and, and this is what we can do, so we should do what we can do, but the, 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 the forced compliance with the systems of the states is still there. Are you saying there's any way to change that, or is this just another flavor of what I've been talking about? 
No, no, no. So the, here, what you're describing is really well, actually, is the individual sphere of your life. Yep. And what then is left over that we all think in the tax realm is called scaling. Every business goes from little business to regional business to national business. That's how they develop. Well, when you start taking these individual processes of your life, like traveling to work, and you now need a road, you suffer a scaling issue. So the scaling issue comes across with more money because there's more road to cover, and it comes across property rights issues because you're going to be outside of that locality that you would normally be able to do a little legal system. Well, really all we have to do is solve the coordination problem at the greater levels on how to pay for these things without taxes. And here's the, here's the part, like, um, roads are somewhat easy if, if for just easy passes. Easy passes can pay for roads, and now there's no reason to take 25 cents a gallon. 25 cents a gallon, I mean, my car takes 15 gallons. So the government's getting a couple of bucks out of every tank of gas, out of everybody, and where's it all going? <clears throat> so we're really getting scraped dry by all of these bullshit systems that these people from yesteryear put into place. And now we're starting to really see it's more economic funneling. Once you get the scaling um, coordination problem solved, you get a, a senator up there who sits on that thing like a vampire. Sure. That, that massive amount of revenue is a great place to, to, for, for nonsense. So rather than having these centralized points that are pillageable by humans, the, blo uh, the blockchain currencies are now they're, – they're not just making your own banking secure and your own wallet secure, but they're starting to destabilize all of the government systems that rely on currency printing to exist. Um, the, the Libra Facebook cryptocurrency, it's not, it, it could functionally take over the U.S. dollar. It's not going to. It's not going to, but it, it could. And the whole concept for everybody to understand is if Mark Zuckerberg can have a long weekend worth of work and come up with a concept that can mess with the federal government, that maybe our governance model is so shaky, it's time for everybody to start realizing how it's put together. And it's put together in a very economically unstable manner because if you can't print currency, you can't run it. So now we all have to live in the adult world where the government, the, whatever people use that word for, it just can't have a bottomless budget that nobody pays attention to. And that's the reality we're going to live in. And all I'm doing is breaking it down into here's how to get the funding pools paid for at your city level. And then you might have some state issues, but probably not too many. And then you're, everything else is functionally global. Doesn't The nation state to you is just a long distance. So is Europe. So when we look at our government here in this nation, and I'm talking about the federal government, which mm -hmm. in many ways is one of the more intrusive organizations that we have. I actually am a belief that some of the... the The most onerous forms of government are the smallest. Like, if you want to look at the government that actually screws people's life up the most, go down to something like an HOA, which is a private government. And they mm -hmm. can have, because all the smaller bodies of government can do in our system is add to what the larger body already did. Mm -hmm. But the difference is within a republic, if I get pissed off at Texas, I can move to Florida. And then Texas has to at least say, hey, you know what? If we do this bad enough, then people will leave. Like, People are leaving in droves from California right now. So mm -hmm. there's at least some check on that system. The federal government, however, since it's encompassing of the whole republic, can cause misery everywhere because they can put mandates everywhere. 
Right. And that all stems from our Constitution, which many in the liberty movement tend to revere as though it were a holy document, as though it was written by virgin angels or something on the tapestry that was woven from the fabric of liberty itself or something. And, and yeah. I see flaws in the Constitution. Do you see a place where the Constitution fails, let's start off, just in philosophy as a whole? I guess we can have some fun by calling the Constitution the Shroud of Jefferson, because they okay, treat yeah. it like the Shroud of Turin. Yeah. So it says right on there, alter or abolish. So my first, my first argument to the strict constitutionalists is, is explain why Thomas Jefferson said we could erase it. And then I want, so I was, I want the shithouse lawyer to explain that right up front. Okay. Cause they think that, that gotcha. Thomas Jefferson said, do this 20 years from now and then was alive 20 years after and it didn't get done again. So I'm not hating. I'm saying we live in an era that is fundamentally so different that I think it, as just thinking individuals, we might want to take it upon ourselves and revisit the enterprise entirely, never mind with the constitution. But. Let's stick with it and say, okay, this is the groundwork. What needs to be fixed? Article 1, Section 8 is the right to tax, and it's Marxism. It's pure Marxism. Marx wasn't born yet, but when you um, procure your funds by basically taking property, the legal system allows the legal theft of property and calls it taxation, or it calls it eminent domain. Regardless, the state reallocates property according to law. Well, come to find out, they can't actually do anything if they don't have this power. If you take this functioning ability of the legal right to, to reallocate property away from these people, they don't know how to do it anymore. Well, that means they never knew how to do it to begin with, and this isn't civil. We need a budget. We need to figure out the enterprise environment factors to actually get these things done instead of pretending that this method will cover the whole constitutional document. And then we'll talk about it as if it's the Shroud of Jefferson and we can't change it. So as soon as you take away taxation, this whole thing falls apart. However, how would you get to fit? How can you get taxes? There are merchants who can build the roads. They know their infrastructure needs. They would much rather not have these political middlemen in the middle, doing their road budgets. So some of the merchants take on some extra duties to figure out their own infrastructure needs, but then they figure out their own internal Better Business Bureau plus Chamber of Commerce tax structure where they, they have a usage fee, basically, for all of the infrastructure of this town, and everybody gets to see both the budget for the, for the shared resources and what the businesses are collecting, and they can all do that in an open ledger. So now you have this quasi-tax structure where the Better Business Bureau says, don't shop here if you don't like us paying for the infrastructure with 6% extra. And that's kind of the way it is anyway, and most people are not going to drive to avoid the tax. So that's you know, kind of how you do it. Sorry. No, I'm just thinking, like, when you look at something like what's being done now with something like Bitcoin Cash and Simple Ledger Protocol, where you can have complete supply chain payments with a single payment, making it a little more simplistic than a road, if I had a, a small coffee shop and I didn't want to have employees because, well, the government tells me what to do with employees, and I don't want to have contractors because, well, the government tells me I can't have contractors because they're actually employees. So I just basically said, look, Donnie, do you, do you, do you think it's a, you know, something you'd want to do to work as a barista at a coffee shop? And for some reason you said yes. Then we could just set up a smart contract where – um, when somebody buys a coffee, you get a piece of it. 
and then when somebody when somebody brings the coffee or coffee supplier, he, they get a piece of it. And as the owner, I get a piece of it. And as the landlord, the guy I'm renting the building space from, gets a piece of it. And that can run the entire supply chain on microtransactions. Right. So this could easily apply to roads. So, I mean, at that point, like you said, the, the, the merchants that have uh, ten, tendered the initial uh, consideration to, to maintain and build and set up the road infrastructure, that would just be a pass-through thing to the maintenance of that road which could over, be seen, over, overseen by a contract. So the money actually can't be touched for anything other than the roads instead of earmarked by the politician that has 87 lobbyists you know, giving them money and buying them blowjobs. Mm -hmm. um, the money that is allocated to that through that expenditure has no place to go other than for that need. And, yes. and that, that is a way to – like you're talking about automating government to a large degree anyway. That's a way to do it. Where's my roads? Your roads are here. Yep. Now, if, you so, if you don't want it, don't don't buy it. Right. Well, here's like so when I'm saying it, uh, my, the way I described it was different than what you did. And here's how I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little hint. You know how they say automation is killing jobs? Yeah. What you, what you just described was everybody in the supply chain getting micropayments right up yep. front. Well, what you find out is some of that supply chain is unnecessary. They're called middlemen. Yeah. And the, and the lawyers and the politicians are unnecessary middlemen in your legal supply chain. So this automation thing that we're all doing, the reason that the micropayments thing will work is it will get everybody paid and secure the logistical supply chain of your life. It'll also clean all the middlemen out. Well, the middlemen don't want to be cut out, man. And that will cause a loss of a lot of jobs. There's a lot of mom and pop stores that completely subsist off of buying stuff as cheap as they can get it, marking it up 20%. And then everyone is told to buy local to keep mom and pop in business when somehow Walmart is cheaper. And I'm not saying everybody should abandon mom and pop. You got to stay local for some things. But other things in our life are kind of going to be done on a scaled level. And we need to have our supply chains secure because that's what brings us strawberries in the winter, not socialism. Correct. But we won't have strawberries in the winter If, if we won't have strawberries, if we don't secure the supply chain, but those supply chains are a little bit fragile because they, they are keeping middlemen happy. And some of those middlemen, um, you know, they, let's just say when you have a lot of people bumped out of an economy really fast, it gets ugly. So, so trying to get everybody to transition to if I'm one of these middlemen. And I know that I'm, my whole life lives off of a 5% cut between two points. You might want to learn a third skill. <laughs> you might want to pick a side. You might want to do something just as a warning to you, human. In the next 25 years, those supply chains are going to get cleaned up and they're going to get thinned out of middlemen. And a lot of people will call it corporatism. And it's not. It's really um, it's what brought it, it's efficiency. It's what brought all of these people out of the out of poverty. You know, half of humanity is out of poverty in the last 50 years. Like efficiency is what brought that half the bottom half up and the top half bitch about how it can't get any better. And I don't think they understand the, the aggregation of these systems and the way they work for the most amount of people is how they're going to function. So you might as well understand it and adapt instead of railing against the machine because the machine feeds the machine that feeds two billion people doesn't give a shit about you. Yeah, yeah. See, you're you're actually talking there about something I call Wilson basketball theory. So this is applies to your small local businesses, your mom and pops as you call them. So if I'm going to buy a Wilson basketball, 
Wilson basketballs, a Wilson basketballs, a Wilson basketball. If I get it from Walmart or Joe's Sporting Goods or Amazon, it doesn't matter to me because it's a Wilson basketball. It's the same damn thing no matter where I get it. The mom and pop store to survive can't survive on Wilson basketballs. And, of course, that's just a broad metaphor, right? Mm -hmm. If I can get all the stuff that the mom and pop store sells on Amazon and at Walmart, then that store can't survive, especially it's hard already. But with this new world you're talking about, they're dead. The uh, mom and yeah. pop store that, that is a, a little mini grocery that sells me grass-fed beef grown a few miles down the road, I, I can't get that at Walmart. Right. Right. Exactly. So those little merchants need to be the specialized merchants that do things. Or back to the coffee shop. I can get a good coffee at Starbucks. I know some people hate on Starbucks. There's a lot of things I don't like about them philosophically, but it's pretty decent coffee. But the small cafe can give me an experience that Starbucks can't. And if they don't, they're going to go out of business. Right. So it's either got to be the experience or a niche product or something for these smaller layer people to do, which was always the best thing to do anyway. But, right. yeah, I can see what you're saying. Like, See, my view is like there's trillions of dollars. So people talk about billions. You're, what's that movie? You know, those are rookie numbers. you got to bump those numbers up in this rocket. There's like right. trillions of dollars mm -hmm. that – are going to completely just be eliminated from the system for things that are unnecessary, that, that don't need to be done. And as, as humanity moves forward, it's not just economics and middlemen, it's also things like completely changing the way we handle healthcare, completely changing the way we handle agriculture, etc. Like all of that is going to be leaned out in ways I don't think people can get their heads around yet. And automation is only one piece of it. There's also just a restructuring because, well, it makes sense. And sooner or later, markets market. I want anyone to justify how if everyone is allowed and, and the concept that we're not allowed to put the money, our own you know, money towards the endeavors that we want, yeah. that's ludicrous. So the fact that the system works in this way is a little bit dumb. But if you really think about it, does anybody think that there won't be a shit ton of money left over for health care and maybe not as much money in the defense budget if we were if we were pushing the money towards where we wanted it to go, right? But honestly, the coordination here is we have relied on a centralized government to figure this stuff out. So most people are really blissfully or willfully ignorant of most of it. And, and it's not that much of an education to figure out how to get over the hump. But if you don't get over the hump, man, like you, all you'll do is argue what you were taught in eighth grade civics. And it's your education, and everyone knows this, and every argument you have will have no conclusion in the parking lot, just in your head. And it's ridiculous, but that's the hill we're climbing. So we kind of have to illuminate why this is broken, and here's how to fix it. Because if you don't have a solution, the people just say you're bitching anyway. Hmm. So we talked a little bit about the Constitution failing philosophically already. Can you point out to any points where the Constitution flat out failed in history? Um, as soon as the lights came on, basically the Constitution is gone because every, if you look at the just the construction of the Constitution, the, the Honorable Representative from Georgia was in a uh, horse and buggy for a month to get to Constitution Hall, spent two months there, went home for a month. That's a really expensive trip, and he was off for four months of the year, and I think, I think uh, during the time frame, that was harvest. So this was an economically expensive trip that this guy had to make, and it took a long time. And not you could have got somebody to go faster, 
you could have had fresh horses along the way, but information could only travel so fast. As soon as the telegraph lines went up, the most deadly people on the planet became lawyers because they could guard each other's back on two ends of a, uh, of a transmission line and they could make money as fast as they could talk to each other and everyone else had to use horses. So that's pretty much when the methods in the Constitution that were supposed to, you know, the methods that the Constitution were written under, the Byzantine general's problem got solved by the telegraph. So now all of a sudden it was a completely different environment, completely different environment. And that's the new environment that you're trying to keep your rights in. So the first people that lose are the businessmen. So then they, they either can't afford to put up more lines because those lines were expensive. So now they want to sue to make the lines a public good. And of course they win that fight because now they lost their information security. Now their information goes as fast as the people who were beating them last year, except now they lost all their information security and the people who were beating them last year know what they're doing. That's what public good for the transmission lines of, of information does. It basically just allows everyone to spy on them. Well, that's kind of the nature of the system. So we have to have a system and prevent spying. It doesn't mean that the Constitution doesn't really work anymore. It means that technology has just surpassed it. So that's pretty much the end of the Constitution, and that was way before we were born. I think the other problem that people that revere the Constitution, again, like you said, is the Shroud of, I would call it really more accurately, the Shroud of Madison, um, is that they they focus on you know their constitutionally protected rights, and it's almost like people have forgotten you know your 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 history or you know early American history 101, where the Constitution was not designed to protect your rights. The Constitution was designed to empower and structure the government. Then after they did that and people started to be, hey, wait a minute, like, hey, we just fought a revolution and you guys had this Articles of Confederation and we were told this was going to be better and, hey, now what about, you know, our freedoms and our rights and limits on you? Oh, you know what we should do? We should come up with this Bill of Rights thing, right? And that most of the things that people talk about when they talk about the Constitution, uh, especially in the liberty world, are things that are in the Bill of Rights, which were amendments to that original document that gave the power to government. So, One created the monster, if you want to think about it that way. And then the second one attempted, let's put some limits on the monster. And I guess the other thing people forget is I think there was something like 22 or 23 proposed, maybe it was 28, proposed amendments, and only 10 of them got through. That was the right. monster already saying, hey, I'm, I'm not about all these chains. And then I right. think you brought up a great point with technology. I When I look at the Constitution as written, and I think back to the late 1700s, early 1800s, I go, I, I see what you were going for. I understand what you were trying to do there. And then when I look at a modern world where we have technology that these guys couldn't even conceive of, I feel that it's outdated. And the reason I started out with the concept of the Bill of Rights is I think when you say that today, people think that you're talking about like, well, you know, the founders didn't know that we would have repeating arms or something like that, and they're not covered. That's that's not what I mean at all. In fact, what I'm saying is because the Constitution is outdated, there's a greater threat to your rights today than there should be, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, the Constitution was supposed to be there to protect your rights, and it, you, you accurately describe it as it's a monster that needs reins. Well, wait a minute. This isn't a real monster. It's not a real monster. It doesn't require to be slain. It requires an adult with a Sharpie to draw on it. 
and and scratch some stuff out because if you created a monster and then think it needs reins, you've completely missed the point. You just go and slay the monster you created and make it better. Or we could revere it as the Shroud of Madison and then say we have to fix the monster. We have to alter the monster. We must believe in monster, but limited monster, just limited monster. And no, it doesn't work like this. And even if it did then, which I don't think any of us are really fully qualified to to judge the enterprise environment factors of 1791, today, all of our enterprise environment factors are different. So regardless of, I mean, Mark Zuckerberg has a cryptocurrency. I mean, it's out of Sweden. So all the stuff that you saw in Congress was fake. Because it's going to happen, or it's not, but it won't have anything to do with federal government assessment of the situation. It just won't. And that's the world we're going to live in. So we have to adapt to our technologically changing situation. And I'd like to just submit to everybody, psychological warfare is a very, very loose term. And in the military, they'll tell you it means the presence of leaflets falling on your head telling you to surrender. And I will tell you, it is any state of deception, misperception, and or delusion, however you want to bracket that, or ignorance. Deception, delusion, or ignorance, and you have to validate your way out of that situation. How many people on the face of this earth right now are in a state of ignorance or not fundamentally understanding because they're physically uncomfortable. They're, they're suffering some sort of physical delusion that they think they could do it another way. Or is someone deceiving them to think that it's some other way right now? And I would say probably 7 billion out of the 7.5 billion people on this planet are suffering from psychological warfare since there were three radio stations on the planet. As soon as you can get bad information from two sources, now, <laughs> now you can suffer from deception or delusion or whatever. Well, you can even suffer from it to the point where you completely contradict your own valid opinion. Mm -hmm. a, a perfectly uh, good example of this going on right now. Trump finally did something I completely agree with. Let's pull troops out of Syria. Now, if we could just keep pulling troops out of everywhere, that'd be great. I'm watching people, you know, my friends on the right and so-called libertarian right, losing their minds now about how horrible this is and we're abandoning the Kurds and it's going to be genocide and... and what have you. But these people to the letter, I've known most of these people, you know, a decade, to a letter were losing their minds and talking about how stupid it was and how wrong it was when Obama decided to send troops into Syria in the first place. So here they are in complete conflict with their own opinion, but you're stupid for pointing it out. Now, to me, that is the mechanism of control because yesterday we started getting reports in from the media as though the, 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 the whole of the Kurdish people were being wiped out by chemical and nuclear weapons at the same time or something like that because, gee, we have to stop the ending of a war. We can't, you know, not, we can't have the U.S. actually withdrawing from anything anywhere. And I've said to some of these people, well, we're in over 100 countries with our military presence. Name five that you would withdraw from. And right. most of them couldn't name any. Right. And and I'm going, well, this is a perfect example of the programming is so deep, and that is a form of the psychological warfare that you're talking about, where the person can't even be consistent with themselves. Right. Well, they believe in the mission. 
They have not assessed the cost. They do not understand the enterprise environment factors. They know that there are people deployed to 100 different places. Even if there were only five reasons they were deployed, you'd have to know what all of those 100 were doing and which of the five reasons they were deployed, and then you'd have to defend them for those reasons. Sure. And, what, and the reality is nobody, and I mean goddamn no one, knows really what's going on because we're all relying on each other for other pieces of information. And then we are taking action on it based on the information we're getting. And a lot of the SF guys are coming back, special operations in general. They're all coming back and they're saying, this is a self-licking lollipop. There isn't one motherfucker who knows what's going on here. And the beautiful thing about getting injured, and I, I had eight surgeries instead of eight deployments. I only had two deployments and got lots of surgery. I was I volunteered a couple times for special operations, got wrecked. But all of those guys, they end up as close. I got a phone call. They end up as close to the problem as possible, getting most traumatized, getting what they feel is the most information. But when they start trying to walk it back, saying, OK, we're obviously in a fuck show. How far do we have to walk this back before this mission isn't stupid anymore? And most of them are starting to figure out it's Washington. So this is more my my all enemies domestic tour. I've already walked around four different. MOS is two different branches of the service and both sides of Iraq. Nope. Nope. This is not the way to do that. We have been misled by the politicians and the warriors have to admit that. And this is real. Honestly, the warriors are the ones most immersed in psychological warfare because we're getting narrative from one side. We're living it on the other. And we know one of them is bullshit. And the narrative is the one that we don't have at the time and the resources to track down. And the reality is the one that we're just printed the, the money for the Defense Department is fundamentally printed into existence so that we can go track down the problem. And we're not helping because the problems are coming from Washington. They're not coming from the deployments. The deployments are a second or third order effect of bad information upon everyone. That's ugly. That's the ugly truth of it. And a lot of the as special operations guys. So Fortunately for me, I wasn't thrown into the hole because I got injured. So I had lots of time to sit in the rear and read and figure out why this problem actually exists. And it's really more economic. It really is more economic. And we're fighting it with a war. And that doesn't work at all. You, it just doesn't work at all. So when any of these subjects come up, people always agree that there's a problem. Like you can have the most dyed-in-the-wool, crazy-ass liberal that's you know damn near communist. And yep. you can have the, the extreme, you know, right-wing indoctrinated Republican that thinks they're for small government while supporting more government. Right. And then you can have the true, you know, small-L libertarian. You can have the pure libertarian, the anarchist, the agorist, the voluntarist like myself. And mm -hmm. one thing we can all agree on, there is a problem. This mm -hmm. is not the way things should be. And then everybody always says, well, what we need to do is just change, change the congressman. Just vote in good people. Uh, I am asking this purely because it's on your outline, and I am doing this so much from a point of devil's advocate because when people <laughs> say that, I'm going to tell you that I am in danger of eye-rolling myself into an alternate dimension when people say that. But <laughs> because it's in your outline, please tell us the problem with that theory. Well, the, the, there is a singular point to all of this. It's the law. And when I say the law, I'm going back to psychological warfare, and I'm going to say it's statutes, Okay. Laws are for physics. Force is required to do everything. You apply force to your gas pedal. You apply force to your key to start it. 
So you start taking a lot of the terminology that these lawyers have applied to the statutes, and it looks like science. When they're making bullshit out of thin air and they're telling you, we're going to investigate this matter, matter is something that you have in science, instead of the goddamn ignorant story from this foul-mouthed, lion forked tongue prosecutor that's going to tell you this is a matter, okay? That's what we are all, We are literally being bull bullshit to death. So when you track all of these things down, you're going to find out that all of them are controlled by laws and regulations. And lo and behold, we're back to centralized planning done by people who are not engaged in the enterprise of anything other than planning. They think they know how they plan. They are in control of law and or regulation. You will now comply. This functions as pre-crime. They are making a claim. We know how to run an economic system so well that we can physically adjudicate and punish the shit out of you for performing certain actions which are definitely known to be bad for the system. And when you find out that the system is really just designed to turn everyone into uh, the centralized system basically collects a nickel or two from everybody a week. That's the goal. And as soon as you get out of step, somebody's not getting paid. So now you've got to get bullied into line. And most of what society does, American society, is a milder form of torture and rendition. They try to make someone uncomfortable, and then they'll talk with them in a very, very firm tone, and they'll get the tone out. And you're expected to do what's coming at the end of this. It doesn't really matter what it is, because I'm laying it down to you like this. So the tonality is just another way to soft, but your children will soft bully you. Other adults will refer to themselves as a corporation. We at New Horizons, no, hey, dickhead, you, right in front of me. <laughs> I don't care about we. we. We reserve the right to fuck anyone we want in any way we want and phrase it in the nicest way possible so that we're not liable for it later. And that's what the law will allow because, honestly, I mean, we could call it miscommunication, but I'm really starting to think that this is just practiced psychological warfare on people. George Carlin in the 80s said, look, what happened to the language? Everything that we're talking about is now no longer even accurately described. It's being talked about in terms that don't make sense. Well, guess what? Now everyone believes in multiple, multiple definitions for one term. Okay, I'm not saying we're not trying to communicate with each other. We might come from different backgrounds. But if we can't come down to the, to the agreement of the definition of a word, the, the outcome of a contract may be wobbly. So if you construct a contract with every word being explicit and having a unique definition and not having a second or a third usage, that contract becomes really, really, really solid. Like you have to go outside of the contract pretty much to break it. American contracts are not written that way. And it's because the law is intentionally constructed so that the lawyers can arbitrage a very, very lucrative lifestyle between the definition one and definition two. That's their life. So, I mean, part of me, just the way I look at it, is the, with the system being the problem, it doesn't matter who you sent there. Like, And I don't care which one of those people I described you were. If you got 100% of the Congress and the Senate and the President and the justices on the Supreme Court to all be people that you individually hand-selected, you'd hate yourself in six months. Right. It wouldn't matter, right? That system is not designed for people to change it. It's designed for people to become, become a part of it. Right. And the part that actually controls it, you don't even see. Right. Right. Unless you, you know, if you see the Fenords, you see the Fenords, but very few people do, and I'm sure less will even get that reference. Uh, but 
when when you start bringing stuff like this up, people start fearing, you know, the whole system will fall apart, and it's what gives us everything. And that you know, they bring up the Marodes argument, infrastructure, uh, fire departments, cops, defense, like basic protections of the law. How do you replace all that and get rid of all these people at the same time? Well, here's where I'm going to here's the best local hint I could give to everyone, and it's how to get rid of your police department and why. Okay? Okay. Your police department is pulling people over. When they do so, they are making an assumption that you are engaged in commerce. These humans have no right to police anyone, but they are assuming you're engaged in commerce. You are not assuming that. You are just assuming that they are allowed to do whatever's about to happen. So they turn the lights on. They come up. They'll touch the back of your car so that there's a fingerprint on it in case you hurt them. Then they'll, they'll come up to you. They'll start making claims. If you think you have to give them your driver's license, then you'll start providing them information out the window. Now, some lawyers will pipe up and say, as soon as you signed a license, you're now engaged in commerce. Okay, then we need to get rid of licensure from the state because those people don't give us permission to do nothing. But regardless, the legal system doesn't report to these mouthy lawyers who think they get to catch. Oh, we turn the words. So you get to pay the money. No, faggot. You are a servant. You don't turn the words around and then stick us with a bill unless you want a partial solution, which looks like your teeth getting knocked out, servant. So we have to start putting these public servants back in line and reminding these people that if you're going to write laws for us, you're only going to apply them when we tell you it's okay. That means we agree to it. Well, that whole thing, that whole concept right there, the idea that you can stand up to yourself to a cop on the side of the road who's making erroneous legal claims and trying to get you involved in contract, if you have to do that because this guy has the legal right to do it, the system is shot. That system was put together by a king who now is more than willing to have you as one of his loyal subjects as long as you obey his knights. The end. And that's not okay for anybody to have anyway. So when you know how to make it function in a non-monarchist way, even under the most benevolent of circumstances, then it's probably better to do it that way. I'm convinced authoritarianism will always reign until a libertarian method is devised to get the same thing done. Because humans will not live without that thing being done until we can figure out how to do it nice. We want that shit now. So that's pretty much where I'm at. We have to, we have... But, well, how does that work in the real world, world, though? Because I'm driving through the little town down the road from me where we have uh, Lakeside PD instead of the sheriff who pretty much leaves everybody alone where I live. And I forget that it's like speed trap hell, and I cruise through in a 45 at 60 on well, a completely straight road where it makes no sense that the speed limit is 45, and they pull me over for an infraction. And they ask me for my driver's license. If I tell them to go fuck themselves, I'm going to jail. You can stand on whatever, at minimum, I'm going to jail. If uh, You can stand on whatever side of right you want to, but in the end, I've got a guy standing in front of me who you will use whatever force is necessary, including bringing more people to bring that force to me, to make me comply. So it may not be right that I have to comply, and but... I not complying is really not a good idea in that situation. And I would certainly not recommend that anybody that listens to this show follow that advice. At least they end up in handcuffs, sprayed, beaten, or dead. And, and that's where I'm going to get all Sergeant Gebert on everyone and say, yes, everyone should be able to protect themselves like that. But I agree with you. Go with that. Okay. 
And then let's have uh, now I'm still going to be Sergeant Gebert. And I'm going to say I have a real problem with these second rate protector piss boys enforcing contracts so that they can have a job and pretend that their job is protection. I'm done with that. So I'm really more about creating a culture where that guy doesn't exist at all. That okay. guy is a mall cop. So when you when you switch your systems over to private property and private, um, you so to fire your cops, it kind of looks like this. Get the there's a program called Cell Four One One. You can get it for your cell phone, and it allows you to just make decentralized networks of friends. Yes, it's a little bit of work to get all of the people into Cell Four One One. But when your community's on board with getting rid of your cops because they're a problem, the coordination problem comes around outrage, and it could get solved pretty quick. So once you have all of these people together, you need a kind of credentialing system just to make sure. Now, Texas has this, like, uh, you go take a class, a certification class for private protection, and then the employers want you to have this certificate. It's not licensure. It's not permission. It's I have taken a competency class at this place. They put out this standard material. I know how to do it. You may now hire me for private security. This guy doesn't, isn't allowed to gallivant the countryside and pretend that he's allowed to, to give me infractions. I don't know who the, like, I stand up to cops, but anyone who thinks they're allowed, like a hall monitor, to just grab you from the side of the road and give you an infraction, all of you humans are suffering from poor self-image, Okay. Some random human just giving you paperwork because he's dressed up like someone who will protect you in a different instance? Nope. Sorry. You have to stop pretending that these guys are protecting you in one instance, and then when you really need them, then they'll be available for you, and you just pay the ransom now. It, it doesn't work like that. It's not going to function. And when you find out how murders happen and, and real violent crimes happen, the rational thing is cops are minutes away. Because that's what happens. You don't have personal security. So rather than living under the illusion that you're going to get help at the very moment you need it the most, you need to make yourself a little bit more resilient to getting attacked where minute, where you can lock someone out of your house and minutes will count and then you can call for backup. But when the backup arrives and then they have a mandate to sniff around and see if they can get you involved in a case, there's no reason to call them. So... To get rid of your cops, you get cell 411, you get your community involved, you'll find a bunch of guys who are more than willing to deal with real issues. And you can reorganize the police department more like private. They get insurance, they'll show up to your house just like your cops will, but they're insured so they won't shoot the dog on sight because they're not immune. They won't shoot anyone else unless they have to defend themselves. They'll definitely make sure there's batteries in those body cams because the goddamn amateur excuses from these ignorant motherfuckers need to come to an end. I, if your equipment isn't working, you go to jail forever. Fuck you. But nope, the system will definitely allow these people gone. So this is really incompetence. What, what the vast majority of nice, decent, don't know how to respect, uh, defend themselves but really respect other people, they don't know what real defense looks like, and it's definitely not your cops. So they really have to break out of this cops are your friend, officer friendly. He is not friendly most of the time. So just keep that in mind and then say there's some good ones. They don't need the immunity. They know it. And they're more than willing to work without it. Let's give them the opportunity and we'll scare all the piss boys away. And then you see who your real protectors are and Listen, like you said, your sheriff doesn't fuck with people because he's not in the business of fucking with people. There are plenty of places that don't need Donnie's help at all. They're listening to me like my sheriff doesn't fuck with anybody. Good. Great. I'm glad. 
It ain't like that everywhere. And the places where this happens, these are the cops. Like, I could think of Albuquerque. Man, I haven't heard a good cop story come out of Albuquerque in my whole life. So so there's yeah. a culture. I mean, I see what you're meaning. I think part, part of the reason that the sheriffs don't bother anybody, you know, in, in my area is because they have such a large area and limited resources. So they only do what needs to be done. Where you take a, a town like Lakeside, the little town I just mentioned, and there's like 1,300 people in the town and they have like six cops plus a chief. Right. What the hell do you need six cops and a chief of police for in a town of 1,300 people when you do already have the backup? The sheriff's deputies around here you know, provide backup. So does the state police if there's some sort of major thing that happens. How much policing do 1,300 people flip in need? And then you go uh, yeah. look at their – because they have to publish their budget on their website. They have like a million dollars in fines as part of their budget. Right. Right. So like – like, I understand what you're saying. I still think that, like, people really need to temper your words in their heads. Standing up to police is one thing. Being stupid with police is another. And maybe you don't mean it that way, but I, I can see how it might be interpreted that way. And in the end, getting shot won't help you be more free. And right. going to prison will not help you be more free. And going to jail even for a week will not help you be more free. So I will assert my rights with police officers. So there's two, like, there's like two totally different instances of how I'm going to deal with. I do exactly what I said. I'm cruising through Lakeside down there, and I know the road pirate is being a road pirate. Pulls me over, but I know I was speeding. I saw the sign. I was doing 60 in, in a 45. I am 15 over. Can I have your license and registration? Well, first of all, you don't need my registration. Here's my license. Why don't I need your registration? Because that sticker on my window is my registration. Go ahead and run it if you want to. Right? I mean, that's how I'll handle that right. because the little piece of paper that I peeled the right. sticker off of, the only thing you need to worry about is if that sticker's right. counterfeit. And when you run it, you'll see it matches my plate. So here's my license. I don't have my other piece of paper for you. Like, you don't even need my insurance anymore because when you run my license, it's going to tell you I have insurance because that's how the system works now. So yep. there you go. Fine. Yep. Okay. And if he writes me a ticket, sure, I'll sign the ticket here. And if I think I can uh, uh, dispute that ticket, I'll go to the little you know, satellite courthouse down at the thing, and I'll dispute the ticket, and maybe he won't show up because he's too busy writing other tickets. But that's how I'll handle that. If I get pulled over because they just decided to set up a security checkpoint, a safety check or something like that, can I see your license? No. Why not? Because you don't need to. Right. Well, I do need to. I need to see your driver's license. Right. Great. Here's my license through the window. You can see it from here. Right. Well, can you step out of the vehicle or open the window? No. Right. It's all to, it's Why? Because all, I don't have to. Because I, don't, because I know I don't have to. But all those rules are still under the illegitimate system. Right. But I also am not going to push things to the point where I'm going to get my ass beat, maced, bit by a dog, and thrown in jail. I have too much to lose to take that risk. When it won't, The other side of it is I would take that risk if I thought it would be helpful, but I also know that it will not be helpful. Right. So when you talk about replacing police departments, I'm all for it. But I think until it's done, like you have to make the effort to do the replacement and then eliminate it. You can't, you can't go talking the way you're talking right now to officers when they're doing their job and they do have under the illegitimate system a quote-unquote legitimate reason for stopping you because I, it will just result in misery and pain. I, I want to know, just, yeah, for, listen, there's advanced, if a cop pulls a gun on me, I have the functioning capability to remove it from him. 
So I'm not necessarily recommending anybody attempt this, but you must understand what it looks like to defend yourself. I don't work for anybody. I don't care who this random human is with the declaration of a badge. But you got like, yeah, don't you. Everyone has to go as far as they can. And here's where here's where it's easy. Like, here's two points that everybody has to ask themselves a question. How are the cops budgeting a million dollars worth of infractions in? But they have the option to let you go on the side of the road, right? Because it's not real crime, and they have the options to walk away. How do they budget a million dollars worth of opinionated bullshit? And the answer is it's all a lie. The second is if you think that first statement wasn't a lie, every road that you drive on is rated for an 80,000-pound truck. And every speed limit on that rated for 80,000-pound truck road is rated for an 80,000-pound vehicle. How is my 2,000-pound shitbox even supposed to comport to the same speed limits? The answer is because the cop is as retarded as everyone else is how far the system works. Every one of them, everybody doesn't know that this is 100% bullshit, right down to the cops, an idiot, too. And you don't think that's the truth? The, The case is called New London versus Connecticut. You're allowed to hire dumb cops instead of putting them on a contract because they'll get bored and they'll and they'll quit before the training is done. So the military does this with a contract. But now the law says the current precedent in case law says we're allowed to exclude smarter cops to ensure the the stability of the training budget. So we if we're going to allow the law to matter, it's just a statute. It's just a statute. And then they're going to tell you that the solution looks like higher dumb cops instead of put smart cops on a contract. So at a certain point, you have accepted that other really stupid humans are in charge, and then they're going to send their ignorant-ass minions at you, and then you have to deal with those minions. And I'm just saying that as long as we are all as, as a people, as, a, as you as an individual, and then we as neighbors are going to look at this process and say, these random humans are immune to shoot people when their very existence doesn't really make sense, then we have to stand up for ourselves. And I'm really just about the organized defense. Cell 411, get yourselves integrated into a neighborhood watch because the neighborhood watch is what you need. You don't need law enforcement. Gotcha. All right, so um, what makes all of this possible? How do we, how do we actually get all of this done? So the first part of this is just looking around in the landscape. Everybody kind of has to catch up. If you're if your understanding of politics is circa 1985, you're behind. If it's 95, you're behind. If it's 2005, you're behind. You have to get current with politics and understand if Libra, if the Libra cryptocurrency can shake all these governments, then everybody has to take a minute and say, okay, the manner in which this is all happening is through currency debasement. That's where all of this comes from. We're It comes from people understanding, so there's some education, but then there's we're going to move some of our dollars into the cryptocurrency market where the government can't mess with it anymore. And there's lots of information that says that they can. Just go learn how a blockchain works. Private key cryptography keeps pretty much everybody out. It's That's how it works. There's very few terms and conditions. Blockchain systems are way better than fiat systems. So anybody who has an argument that the U.S. dollar should remain on a non-blockchain system is in error. They're only going to add problems by not transitioning the dollar to a blockchain. They're going to ask for more fraud. They're going to ask for more debasement. So 
you have to understand your currency, never mind what the government fucking tells you, your currency has to be sound. So you're going to want to move it into a sound blockchain system. There are some that call themselves blockchains. They're not. You can go figure out what they are. But as we take the money away, then we come with basically what happens is like a Berlin Wall. Nobody, nobody in the Soviet Union wanted that economic catastrophe. The people running that currency ran it into the ground as fast as they could, and then they left. Well, that's kind of what's happening here, only they're not doing it as fast as they can. So at a certain point, you're going to see the federal government lose the fiscal ability to, to perform certain acts. The end. That's just how it's going to happen, just like it happened in Russia. Before, or I'm sorry, as it happened in the Soviet Union before the wall came down. So we can take that legal system and say, here's how a second legal system would work, and everyone gets to use it like a lifeboat. So you leave the other system alone. And the goal here is to get the right, get the system, cops, judges, all of this, we all have the right to walk away from it. And if we don't have the right to walk away, then we got a bigger problem than what Donnie's talking about. But we don't. We really don't have that problem. We just need to understand that the legal system needs to be revamped. And that happens by everyone making their own laws. And that doesn't sound intuitive because you were trained on a legislature. But what's really not intuitive is someone who doesn't know you writes laws for you and then sends another stranger who doesn't know you to enforce them violently. That's what really doesn't make sense. So my book is free and reading it will give you the lay of how do you get a legal system out of every single person being their own senator. That's that's all of I'm not trying to say we're all going to get titles, LinkedIn titles, and we're all going to be senators. I'm just saying <laughs> everybody plays on the same level playing field. Everybody. There's no presidents, but there's no voters and there's no congressmen. Everyone is their own senator. And that's the functioning level of how a DIY legislature works. And you don't bump into all of the other senators. You only bump into the ones at whatever committee meeting you all show up to. And that's how it works. And then you will decide, because it is now an in-group, the in-group will decide how it gets organized. And the people on the out of the group, they have no say in it, and they don't have to pay for it. And it's much easier to separate all of our issues legally in this way than it is to try to do it any other way. I can't help you from here, but I can help you from here by showing you how to help you from there and leaving you alone. That's how I do it. So one of the things you say is that the concept of intellectual property is killing us and the law. What, what do you mean by that? Um, okay, so intellectual property, um, when I was writing this book, I was trying to figure out all of the facets that someone could prevent me from putting a piece of information out. Call it a bit of an idealism. I was looking at it like this. If I could get 15 seconds on the Super Bowl to tell a billion people the best piece of information I could get them in 15 seconds, it wouldn't be 15 seconds. It would be a it would be four seconds worth of teaser and 11 seconds worth of information directing you to a big pile of information. So that that's all it really is, is I have a big pile of information for you. Once I get them there, what do I tell that big pile of information to people? So I can imagine you're, you're dumping chlorine in the information pool. How am I going to chlorinate the information pool? And it is letting everyone know all of the processes that you are being defrauded by right now. Everybody hates fraud. Everybody hates fraud. And that's how the system is functionally 
It's, it's many, many, many fraudulent processes. So one of the fraudulent processes is a claim that you have an idea and I have the same idea, but the law is going to prevent you or prevent me from doing it because this group of people says that you hold the intellectual property. Well, intellect and property are two different things, and I can't own both unless I own you, period. And to apply this to the law, you're not allowed to write laws. The intellectual property for legislative uh, production is vested in, not you. So if you're not allowed to write your own laws, I guarantee I could screw you. But they're not, So now we're back to alter or abolish, just by the mechanics of the Constitution, to prevent representation fraud i must apply i must put you in that position to, to get that fraud surface away now we're back to alter or abolish and you have to write your own so then it really becomes a class of how do you write your own laws eh, step one don't murder step two don't rape step three don't steal everything after that is an opinion some people will say stealing is an opinion some people say murder is an opinion one human being removing things from another beyond their permission is the violation of another human it doesn't matter how you phrase it so if don't we... hurt people and don't take their stuff right well, kindergarten you're... 101 don't hurt people yes. don't take their stuff yes I, i i believe anything beyond that is an opinion right because so... as long as you and i agree to whatever you and i are doing it's nobody's business but ours the minute you say, this is my thing, Jack, and I don't want you to take it away from me, and I punch you in the face and take it away, now I've transgressed against you. There is, there is not much we need beyond that. And then people say, well, what about you know somebody's doing something and it's leaking chemicals onto somebody else's land? Okay, now you're, you're infringing on my land, right? Who owns that land that those things or whatever are happening to? That, 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 that's really simple. Yep. Are you hurting people or taking their stuff? And if you're hurting my property, you're hurting me because it's my property. You have no right to it. I do. If you contain your shit on your property, then I really don't get much to say about that. That doesn't mean what you're doing might not be a bad idea, and I don't think that we can shut down the the concept of a war of ideas. Like It's up to me then to convince you through logic and reason that maybe there's a better way to do things, but it's up to you whether you do it or not. I don't know why that seems – and when I talk like that, you know what I'm told? You're crazy. Right. You're crazy. Like these people have Stockholm Syndrome, but I'm the crazy one because I think that it's as simple as don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. And you know the first place you, you learn that is in kindergarten. And then the next thing they teach you is how to violate it because the system that's teaching it to you can't follow this, the rule that it's teaching. It's impossible. You are required to share. <laughs> the, the <info> well, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, it's forced sharing. It's not that sharing is, is not a virtuous thing. It's that yeah. you're not allowed. So now all of a sudden, it, the, um, oh, I just, uh, the intellectual property of, uh, you said the war on ideas? It, yeah. The concept, when you enshrine intellectual property as a legal concept and you're going to enforce it, that is a war on ideas. You're literally saying that that guy over there has the ability to produce and market something that everyone will benefit from at a greater pace than I am, but I have the legal right to do it. And the claim will be because you thought of it first, but nobody would know that. I could make a legal claim that you thought of, that I thought of something before you and then prevent you from putting that solution into the world until I could capitalize on it. 
So that really is the war on ideas. And it the very concept when applied to law says you can't write laws, but when applied to everything else says someone else defines that which is property all the way down to the stuff that's in your head. So that's not my opinion. That's how it works. So anybody who has these arguments for the system in any way, shape, or form, they fundamentally don't understand them. And I'm not, I'm not hating on those people. Like, I had a lot of resources dumped on me so I could sit around and observe the problem. So the fact that someone else is caught in the fight, yeah, I, I understand. Gotcha. So how do we get there? Like, because you're not the first person to come up with a new way to run the country. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you won't be the last. And pretty much, I've heard a lot of great ideas for 40 years now. Yep. So how do we move from where we are to where we should be? And I see part of it as a natural evolution of humanity. So when I see, yeah, there is a bit of that. When I'm looking at, in the securing of my own intellectual property for the book, I had to give it away. I had to give it away because if I was to get involved in a contract in America or money with a publisher, that's it. I've received remittance and they could shelf my material. So I'm down to, I put cryptocurrency addresses on my site in my book. And if anybody wants me to go and create the software that all of this gets done, it starts with a dictionary. Okay. It's intellectual navigation software. I'm going to narrow down the English language to a singular definition for every word. I'll give you an example in a second. Let me, um, so then you just put, you, you put 3D graphing software to where you type in words, and that word create, that, that sentence creates a constellational geometry. It just looks like a little, a, little stick, a little stick geometry. It doesn't have to be special. It has to be unique. And when you change your concept, The word changes. It's not we use this word in two or three different instances. It's this word is specifically defined in this way. And it's not an objective language. It's a tool for every person to write contract for themselves and cut the lawyers out. When every single word in a dictionary is explicit, you got people who don't write good contracts screwing themselves. And you have people who don't know how to interpret contracts screwing themselves but you won't have anyone screwing you with a contract because you didn't know how to use the dictionary. Now, I, I say in this embarrassingly somewhat and somewhat happy because I, I am a volunteerist. I don't shoot people for fun. I know how to use every weapon on the face of this planet, and the weapon I need the most is a dictionary. That's the weapon I need the most. And from this dictionary, I can create contract and software and translation tools to put things together that will allow individual secession. First, first is the dictionary and everybody, every homeschool, everybody gets that. Everybody gets a copy. That has to be open source. So that first one is awful hard to justify. After that, we can start making um, translation platforms for languages, possibly for computer languages. There's more difficulty there. And then for legal documentation. And that legal documentation is what allows individual secession because You might not agree with the contract because of the wording, but you and I will be in absolute agreement on the wording because there's an answer key. So we can rely on good, solid contract peer-to-peer -peer without a lawyer, and it would only require about an eighth-grade reading level. It's not that hard. But when the lawyers are living on the speech, di the dialectic definitions being changed in court and being used to 
bedazzle people with, with neuro-linguistics. That's not a legal system. It's a magic show. So we just have to narrow it down. And then it, it's honestly, it's $5 million worth of software in Toto. It's half a million dollars worth of software up front. That's kind of what it is. So I have cryptocurrency addresses and I'm kind of hoping for a libertarian whale to just say, hey, I know how to, I understand what you're doing and we have some Bitcoin and I could go pay Bitcoin or Litecoin or whatever coin I could go pay developers to just do this stuff. And then we don't ask permission. We show up with solutions, but I don't have all the resources to do that. I was used to it. Getting out of the military is humbling because you have all these resources to go do shit when you want to. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm just like, God damn it. I need VC money and nobody knows who the fuck I am. I'm not Jocko. You know? Yeah. Yeah, the people that I see that have the hardest time readjusting to civilian life are people that are rank a full colonel or above because they were not only did they have unlimited resources for whatever they want to do, they were treated like freaking rock stars. Yep. And so you, you, like I've had guys who want to come on this show, and one guy was a two-star general. And I ended up saying, you know what, we're not doing this. <laughs> because he wanted to tell me how things were going to be coming on to my own show. And it, it like... I hope you understand, like, the rest of your life is not going to work that way. Like, you're not going to be able to do that anymore at all. I don't know, maybe when you go shopping at the PX or something, you know, people will salute you, but you're nobody now. Mm. No one gives a shit. Like, yeah, you can put it on a resume or a CV or something like that or your speaker, you know, profile or whatever, but no one really cares. Yep. I and I think the longer you're in, the more that happens to people, you know, especially if you spend most of your time overseas. I did. I spent the majority of my enlistment overseas, so then you're surrounded by nothing but military. Yeah. Right. It, like at least if you're like if you're at Fort Bragg or something, then well you go to town. There's normal people around you. When you're sur surrounded by nothing but the military, I think it really does backfire on the system because when you separate, if you embrace that separation, which some people have trouble doing, the your understanding of the programming is much better than the person who never went through it. And people think it's the other way around. Like, once people go in the military, they're brainwashed. They can be. I'm sure you know some. But yeah. if you choose for separation to mean separation. Mm -hmm. For me, it was I took an 1,100-mile walk on a trail to, to get my mind out of that mode. Whatever it is, it does it for you. Once you separate from it, it's, it's like anything where a person has been really held on. Like, it's the same reason somebody comes to this country from a socialist hellhole, and in, in five or six months, they're like, what the hell are you people doing? Uh -huh. And they see it, and the, the, the average person doesn't, as long as they have their avocado toast or whatever. Yep. And yep. so I think that there, there is a bit of that coming out of the military, and yeah, the unlimited resources thing, because, yeah, you needed something, you just ordered it, right? You're just like, we have a hundred trucks, we only need one to run, I'll just pull it off of that truck and order it for the other one. Like, you just, whatever you needed was there in some capacity, eating... Yep. Well, they have food for us. I'm going to eat tomorrow. Like, it, you end up in almost a childlike state on some levels. You know, like, yep. everything is provided for you. And yep. I think that is part of, you know, what people call PTSD and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's not all battle-related. I, I did not go through any significant combat during my service due to the time I was in. Um, I still had a hard time adjusting. And I think that, you know, the combat stuff and all can make it worse. I don't want to... I don't want to say anything that yeah. takes away from what scars a person carries internally or externally. I don't mean it that way. I'm just saying the act of being fully and wholly indoctrinated alone, mm -hmm. as bad as it is, when one is let go, 
they've become dependent on that system. And I think that has a larger implication in that a lot of the stuff that people like you and me want to do, we have to develop a decoupling because society is indoctrinated. Like people say, if you could flip a switch and shut it all off, would you? Is it a dimmer switch? Can I, can I take like 10 years to turn this thing all the way to zero? Because mm -hmm. I honestly feel if it's a binary switch, if I go click, I might be okay. I got a place to go and I got stuff, right? But in six months, we're going to have, you know, globally a couple billion dead. So we need to develop this decoupling mechanism for people and then get them on that path because this has to be gradual, in my opinion, anyway. It can't uh, be overnight. And here's what I notice that the, the reason this system functionally lives is for the chicanery of a few and the betterment of a many. So the betterment of the many is really hard to overcome because these people recognize what's being provided is stability, even if it's being provided in an unstable manner. So you have a lot of people who are fundamentally unstable, but they don't understand fundamentals. And then you have a bunch of people who know that they're stable because they're the ones causing the chicanery and they know when it's going to come to an end. So it's really more of getting people to past all of this. Um, it's like, listen, it's psychological warfare. They don't understand, and then they're being manipulated, and then they will be told, you must do these things, and they will make your life better. And then sometimes it happens, right? When the government prints a stimulus program into existence and a bunch of people get checks, some of whom really needed those checks, mm -hmm. guess what? They don't necessarily think that was a bad idea. They don't understand no. what currency debasement is, and they don't have the education for it, and they're not supposed to. And they're so, also trying to get to, they're trying to get to tomorrow. So the fact that this got right. me to tomorrow, and if you leave it alone, I'll get to the next tomorrow, it's good enough, and it's somebody else's problem in the future. There's a selfish nature in that, too. But, I mean, I used to do a lot of consulting work, and some of my consulting was along the lines of a competent version of the Bobs from Office Space, right? Mm -hmm. Where you would go into a company and say, like, you need to get rid of these people. Mm -hmm. And when I would come up with a list and say, here's the people you need to eliminate from your company, they'd say, how did you make that determination? I'd say, they told me. And they got to go, what? you know, I'm used to be in front of a board. What? What? They told yeah. you? Well, they didn't tell me directly. Right. When I had conversations with them, simply by discussing what they do and how they do it, they basically admitted to me that this place does not need them. Mm -hmm. And since you, if you were making shitloads of money right now and you didn't need a person like me and you wanted to look at 10% of your work, workforce as your charity, mm -hmm. you give them a job so they show up and don't go rob liquor stores or whatever or end up in a homeless shelter, then that would be fine. Right. But since you're losing money and since you're losing just a little bit less money than all of these people cost and you don't need them and you could be profitable tomorrow if they go away... Mm -hmm. Then they either need to go away or you need to figure out how to make them productive. And what, by productive, I don't mean better at their jobs. I mean they have to generate more revenue than you're currently generating for you. And since I see no way on planet Earth that any of these people can ever generate revenue for this company and are not essential to its operations, I would get rid of them if I were you. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a shitload of people in society that are those people in society. See, they know that they are not needed, they are not necessary, and what they do and how they earn their living, whether it's a government stipend right. check that comes in the form of a welfare check, or even if it's some sort of employment, and many times in some form of governance, that if we actually ran the place in a, what everybody wants to talk about is fair, that they would have to do something else, and they don't want to. 
everything that you just said was a description of a process that's making a business solvent. Correct. You went through that whole, that's right. And the reason you're making the business solvent is because it's failing and because <laughs> we're trying to save as many jobs as we can. Correct. But as you were talking about that, I was listening. Okay, how many political arguments are against everything that you just said when you were describing a process? You weren't judging it. You no. were trying to promote it. You, no. were, you were describing the process of saving a failing business, yet somehow political science has an opinion on it. And that's well, really the functioning problem is these fucking morons really don't know what they're doing, but then they're allowed to have a political argument to judge and or control it instead of assess and or fix it. And because they're incompetent, Dunning-Kruger just rolls up in here all day. You know, it's it's the same thing you see when you see these memes go around where people have a picture of like a self-checkout and say, don't use this because it's costing somebody their job. Like, right. when you see that, I, I made a counter meme to it that was like, you know, let's bring back the elevator operator and the milkman and, you yep. know, like, the, 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 the think about the sawmill. There, there was freaking people like tore down like in England, like like castle walls over the sawmill when the first sawmill went in. Because it was mm -hmm. going to cost a sawman their job. Mm -hmm. Now, if you actually look at history and see what the job of a sawman was, it sucks. We don't have a job today that people do that sucks any worse than that job sucked right. in the 1600s. So should we get rid of sawmills? Should, like This concept that we have to protect people because they won't have something else to do infers that we're going to go to a world where there's no problems. As long as there's a problem in the world... There's something for people to do. There's some sort of employment, some sort of meaningful occupation to take place. And if we actually get to a point where we don't have any problems, well, then we don't have any problems. So then we don't have any problems. So why are you worried about it? So until we're out of problems, I think that it's okay to fix as many problems as possible. And I find any counterargument to that to be, well, woefully ignorant. Uh, that, honestly, and that's where the lawyers will argue over that, which is the definition of help until forever, if we let them. <laughs> I shit you not. Yeah. You, everything that you're, we're, we're spiraling the drain all the way down to if someone else has the agency to redefine the definition of help, then they're gonna, you're gonna get the shit helped right out of you. And that's <laughs> how it's gonna happen. <laughs> so, well, here's, here's an example. You'll love this. Cause I just, like, I, I let Facebook scroll while I'm doing interviews. Cause it's funny how shit comes up that fits perfectly. Yep. Going back to your cop thing. So I just saw a video. Three people see this drunk guy in a pickup truck. This guy is, he's, fucking drunk, right? Like, you and I would go like, this guy does not need to be driving. Mm -hmm. He's weaving all over the road. Instead of calling the police, mm -hmm. they boxed him in, pushed him off the road, took his keys, and basically, dude, take a nap. <laughs> right? Like, and, it, and, and it, this is in my private group that this was posted. Yeah, don't And half of the comments, half of the comments from my audience, they should have called the police. That's a good way to get shot, blah, 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 whatever. Right. Right. Don't tell anybody any more about that because you'll have people trying to sue those guys for, yeah. for being, oh, well, the, these ignorant humans are looking for a hall monitor. Yeah. They're looking for a hall monitor, and that's what they think cops are. And, I, like, I don't shit on religion. I don't shit on Christians or anything. But when Christians go to – they go to church on Sunday, and yeah. we all – there's the community feeling. There's the fellowship. There's all of that stuff. Then – There's the dogma, and the dogma basically states that there is an unseen entity that is somehow in control of the shit that we don't understand, and we pray. 
okay, there's a bunch of human shit that goes that way, and I'm not trying to enforce on that. Monday through Friday, there's a bunch of shit that we don't have to debate. It has to fucking happen. That's how it gets done in real world time, and we don't pray for solutions. We make them happen because we know how. And what I tend to find is that when people, um, when their method of learning is primarily belief, they believe what other people tell them and they find out the hard way, they end up finding out that the government isn't a god. It's just made with people, and those people are corrupt and can be corrupted. And all of the systems that you were taught in school, they don't work like that. So you can't just do this transference of this problem in my life that I don't fundamentally understand the way I'm feeling. I'm giving it to Jesus. It doesn't work the same when you give it to a lawyer or a cop or a judge. It doesn't work the same. So no, it doesn't. But, but the, the verbiage that most people will use to defend the actions of the state, it's straight out of Sunday school. It doesn't make any sense. It's based around their belief in the system. It's not based around the results. So you really got to be science when it comes to this stuff and say, if your results are bad, you change your methods. The end. The end. It's science. And that's what, honestly, that's kind of what I am. Military science. I know how to do shit, and I know what all the dumb shit looks like, and we can avoid that. But beyond that, I can't put anything smart together until we stop being dumb. And that's, that's pretty much where everybody's at. It's education of we were all Flintstones, and now we're going to have to be Jetsons, or we're not going to make the transition out of a te- into a technological society. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I actually have a, a series of things I call my laws of life. Spirko's fifth law of life is all power granted to the state will be abused and used incompetently. And that's a law. That's not an opinion. Right. And and it, that's an actual law instead of something I said you have to do. As an, it, it is a thing that will happen. And it, it doesn't – I don't care how good the people you would send there to do it, there will be some level of corruption and incompetence and abuse whenever anybody is granted any form of power, period. So that means that there is no such thing as a power granted to the state that will not be abused, used incompetently, and subject to corruption. Not one. And that's and, what... And I, I just want to go, like, your, your concept of, of comparing it to religion is interesting because, at least in religion, whether I agree with your beliefs or not, you're choosing, like, because state and religion go together. Now, now I'm picking up a gun. I mean, we mm-hmm. go to a theocracy. That's one of the places where my guns come out of the safe. Okay, we're mm-hmm. not doing that. You're not enforcing your your version of God on other people. That's not happening. Right. Um, but as long as it's a religion, apart from the state, I don't care if your religion says you have to smack yourself in the ball six times a day. If you want to do it, go ahead. If you ain't making your kid do it against, you know, do, making your kid do it, and, and it's something you decide to do at 18, slap yep. yourself in the ball six times a day. I don't care. I don't care. And you have this belief in that religion, for whatever reason you've chosen to believe it, that that God is absolute perfection and has a plan, and this is your path to that perfection. Fine. I don't agree. You won't see me sitting next to you, nor slapping my balls to appease a God, but that's fine. But when you take the concept of, like, uncorruptible, uncorruptible, you know, (laughs) all-powerful, and then you grant that to humans. Right. Then you, you, you fit the textbook definition of the worst version of Stockholm Syndrome. And that's how I feel the majority of people feel about the government. Listen. And, and it's only the bad people. It's only the bad. You just got rid of the bad people. You're the, and that is the best thing for them, for you to believe, because there will always be some bad people. So that will always give your version of the good right. people an excuse for the bullshit they pull. 
Right. Always. Forever. You're describing a process that I like to call white magic. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the state is not a real entity. It does not exist. We do not grant power to the state. It's going no. to be a couple of humans. And everybody's like, okay, Donnie, we get it. You're being semantic. No, I'm not. And here's why. A corporation is also a legal entity. It's a legal fiction. And you rob banks with your, with your corporate entity. And then when it comes time for somebody to go to jail, who goes to jail? The corporate entity pays the fine and all of the humans that were granted the immunity to do that under the corporate structure get away with it. Well, everybody seems to know this, notice this real clean when it's a corporation. When a church is corrupt, it's obvious and everyone says, okay, wait a minute, maybe all these priests are screwing children. Yeah. Maybe that's the problem in here. Maybe it's not anything other than that. Well, when it's the government, we go back to the, the same method by which people defend a religion. They then defend this legal entity called the state. And they will no longer science. They will no longer look at the humans that are performing clearly inhumane acts and then say anything other than, well, they're just doing their job. No, all of a sudden they're going to look upon horror and they're going to say, oh, well, that's, that's supposed to happen that way. And to be honest, they don't ever want it to happen to them. They only don't care when it happens to someone else. So for all of the empathy I don't have for certain situations, everybody needs a little bit more just to understand, unless you want to be the one getting your ass kicked, then you probably shouldn't argue for the ass kickings. If you think you're smart enough to avoid the ass kicking, you're the next dipshit up to bat, so I don't care about you. You'll be fine. The system will catch up with you certain enough. I was that guy, and it caught up with me. And then I had to make a decision, fight or not fight. So I'm on my all enemies domestic tour. I'll handle that end of it. Not everybody's built for the rough end of the ride. But the easy end, people will just defend. They'll watch somebody get beat until it's obvious. Until there is a California state trooper straddling the chest of an overweight black woman, punching the shit out of her. Oh, no, I still heard people. I know exactly what you're talking about. I heard people defend that prick. Right. Right. I heard people defend that prick as though that was. He went MMA on that woman. Right. He had her, his knees. If anybody's not seen this, this guy, she was, her crime was she was a homeless woman walking down the median of the highway. She wasn't actually hurting anybody, but for her own safety, this officer accosted her. Sat on her, planted his knees into her shoulders, right, and and went to the. It, well, I don't. It's not even right to call it MMA. At the point that began, the ref in an MMA fight would have called it. Right, right there, done. We're done. No, you're. That's over. Right. Absolutely. He continued to pound her face into the ground, and I heard the same shit. Their job is hard. Why was she there in the first place? Right. All you have to do is comply. We didn't see what happened before. No, we did see what happened before. She was walking down the road, and right. he beat the shit out of her. Right, And this was not – she was kind of a heavyset black woman, like you said. Right. This woman was not – like somebody that can really fight back. And this cop wasn't some little cop. This cop was a guy that probably trains in an MMA freaking octagon, right? It was like he was waiting for the opportunity. Right. That, and listen, when, that job and then people defend that, then I don't know where to go with them. Right. Right. That job is attracting the wrong people. And I can state two things definitively. Even if that woman had been hit by a car before that in her life, she had survived thus far on her own and didn't require help. So the idea that this ignorant fucking piss boy, I, oh, I hope I get to meet these fucks. I hope they come after me. That's the part that pains me the most. My level of empathy doesn't involve 
um, saving a victim. It involves accosting the fucking accoster. That's my level of empathy. This guy wasn't helping. So no. under no circumstance did this fuckhole need to be there at all. This is a private, okay? In the military, you call these ignorant animals privates. They don't know what they're fucking doing. They were trained in a high school. They barely know how to wipe their ass. Most of them don't know how to get laid or write a check, and that won't bounce. And then you're going to give them a gun and point them front toward enemy. When you think it's not the military and suddenly 23-year-old dickhead who was third-string football player and isn't good enough for anything else, guess what? He's the guy on the side of the road after too many, too much money to support his 4,000 calories worth of protein a day habit. And then he's beating the shit out of a homeless lady, declaring it help no matter what. That is our lives now. You want to pretend that your sheriff is the norm? Not only is he not the norm, the norm is way closer to the fucking dude beating the shit out of somebody. That's the norm. And it's closer to it. The real norm is... Someone who doesn't have the fucking character to walk in and tell their boss, I'm not collecting activity points anymore. I'm not exposing myself to danger on the side of the road for the purposes of contract. I'm not doing it anymore. Call me when there's a problem and I will rush to the scene and protect people. But this justifying my job shit, that's all they're doing. They're making work and they're making it look good, but they're not, you know, the, you said, uh, 1,300 people, seven cops. Well, the yeah. bill is like a million dollars worth of fines that they're going to pay off the books and then whatever the taxes cost to keep it open. Oh, it's so they, worse because in Texas, the state takes a piece of the fines. So that's their million they get to keep out of the fines. Which so is, they're going to write about $2.1 million in fines to make that million dollars. Oh, there you go. Think about that. I mean, really think about that. And then a lot of that money that the state takes, it comes back because all the cops are subsidized by the state anyway, right? So it's 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 the analogy of the guy that's standing in the back of the pickup truck pushing on the cab and he's helping the mm -hmm. other guys that are actually pushing the truck and he says yep. he's paying. That's the government employee paying taxes. Yeah. I'm not going to crap on every government employee. People, I, I, you were in the military, I was in the military. We were government, employee, government employees. Most of us are not born knowing the stuff that you and I are talking about now. It takes people time to decouple and understand where they're at in the system, but it still is what it is. Yep. And, you know, what you're making me think of there with the police is if we're going to have a police force, I think they should work a lot more like the fire department. Exactly. When there's a problem, show up. And if, if that includes, like, driving around, and if you see somebody, like, climbing over my fence with a crowbar, mm -hmm. working on my door, that, you know what, I'm kind of okay with you checking into that because... That's odd behavior. That's not how a person gets in their house. Now, if it's me and I lock myself out and a guy shows up and I go, I live here and I can prove that I live here, go away. Now go away. I, this is my property. Bye. But instead what we have is, and I've had every officer I've ever talked to, whether it's an interview or informal, admit this. All you're doing with these traffic stops is two things. One, you're raising money and justifying your existence. And two, you're seeking a contact that might lead to something else. Right. So in other words, you're interfering with people's lives for right. no reason other than to fuck with them. Right. I mean, right. that's it. And they're legally immune to do so. So I just make sure, like when they mess with me, the, the, I, I make all of my own decisions. And I, I like I was trained in counter, counterintelligence. So I'm sitting here, I'm interrogating a cop who thinks he's interrogating me. Doesn't, it doesn't fucking work out for him, ever. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. He's about to walk into over, you know, like you're, you say, if you want to look at my registration, look at the, look at the ticket. He's like, can I have your driver's license and registration? And I'm like, why? 
I start there. Why? Give me one good reason. When you start telling these people, what you find out is that they have very little actual agency to pick a fight with you, and they're trying to get you dialectically involved. And thankfully, because of New London versus Connecticut, (laughs) none of these fuckers, they're taught five or six different dialectic tricks. And if that doesn't pacify you and get you compliant, then they have to get violent with you. And there aren't too many who are willing. You'll find out they'll get frustrated and walk away from you. But okay, now I'm 6'2", and I'm clearly not a fucking joke. So at a certain point, that guy's dealing with me. I'm going to tell you, in spite of everything you're saying, I will be sad to hear it. But if I ever hear that you get your ass shot, I am not going to be surprised. Uh, no, no, you don't have to be surprised. Again, I will not be surprised. I'm on my, all, I'm on my all enemies. And that's why I'm advising people to not listen to that end of what you're nope, saying. Because I I'm think that somebody that listens to you could get their ass shot very easily. Yep. Don't be, I'm a trained professional. Do not attempt this at home. You're still going to get your ass shot. Anyway, <laughs> what, assuming you don't get your ass shot, what's next for you, man? Um, honestly, I'm just doing the book right now. I'm taking a class at my GI Bill. And I'm. I, this is kind of what I'm doing until I hit like Rogan or some sort of major venue because my job is to get information out. If anybody has a better idea on how to have a constitutional convention, I'm all about it, except, you know, we have to talk. So I'm all about different methods and different ideas, but I don't know of any other way to do this for a, uh, such a vast and diverse population. Especially, you know, some of us are like me who will stand up and some people who are very, very easily intimidated. They, ha- they don't, you shouldn't be intimidated. They have no right. To, they don't have to, to learn to stand. They should learn to stand up for themselves, but they don't have to learn it. And the real problem is elite, an aggressive legal system. Well, I'm good at dealing with aggression. I know all about it. So I can get a legal system pacified, but it really looks like educating people. They go, the book is free. So it's not like I'm, uh, Jeff Bezos is charging 99 cents, but you can get it, you know, three other ways for free. So basically it's, you know, if people who are listening to your show, they're kind of more self-educating anyway. They take the time and the curiosity for it and everybody's in a stage of learning. So if you think I'm cockamamie, you're wrong. I have a $4 million education and I'll give it to you if I could. The end. You're wrong. It's not my. I'm, it's not that I'm right. This system is a system where no one is in charge, and it aggregates around private property, and everybody's in on private property. Ever, they, they, they could say that there's a big debate about socialism. No, there's not. Almost everybody wants private property. They want their house. They want a place to retreat from. We are going to adjudicate along private property lines. So we need to get rid of a system that's offensive and has the right to reallocate property. Andrew Napolitano will write us a better legal system. So we can do that now and just kind of learning how and education and software. So I have crypto addresses if somebody wants to throw me crypto and I will go and do it. Other than that, I am just doing what I do. So where can people get your book, uh, find out more about you, things like that? The nullhypotheticsofpolitics.com is my website. There is a bunch of links there. I have a, a YouTube website that has a bunch of stuff that will help you get involved in crypto if you don't know anything about it there's a couple of links there and then there's just other stuff of i look at it this way walter block saved me about 40 years of reading because he condensed a lot of these property part property arguments in a book called defending the indefensible i didn't even read the whole thing i I immediately understood what he said once i understood he was exacting and methodical about all of his stuff and then, I, and then I watched probably five hours of Walter Block giving lectures and doing debates. And I learned so much just from watching him talk. It's this argument applies in New York City because there's a building. 
and you are part of, you own an apartment in the building and that's relevant. This other guy, he's part of an HOA. HOA is like a fake building around everybody. It turns everybody yes. into a tenant. <clears throat> that, that's functionally what it does. So the argument against an apartment in a building versus a house in an HOA is not the same as you would think. And you have to take that real granular property understanding. And Walter Block will catch you up. Milton Friedman can catch you up in economics, but economics is hard. You're going to need Milton Friedman and Thomas Sowell and Bob Murphy, and you'll probably need a dozen mentors. But with 40 hours of study in any particular category, you will get a long way in it. A long, 40 diligent hours, 40 real hours. So you can go a long way forward. And then I just, listen, I had a $4 million education. So I'm, I came home and there were problems in my own house that I recognized in a battlefield. And I didn't, like, I'm having trouble at my own house now because literally some of the terminology is not even allowed. Like talking to children and trying to explain certain things, I have to figure out how to try and massage it because people say you're too harsh with the children. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm just explaining them how that works. And if you're so sensitive that the terminology about explaining certain things is a problem, then I, I literally I come back to some people are too scared to even talk about certain things, and and we need a dictionary. <laughs> All right, man. Well, hey, I appreciate you being with us here today. Uh, we, we weren't able to sync up yesterday because you were in uh, transit and stuck in an airport with about 100 people, so I'm glad you were able to make it with us today. I'll have links to your website, your social media presence, uh, your book, all of that in the show notes for today's episode, which, again, I believe is 2527 for folks. And, uh, Donnie, thanks for being with us today. Thanks a lot, Jack. It was a great time. Uh, like I said, that probably wasn't everybody's cup of tea. I'm sure some people turned it off in disgust. And if you're mad at me for it, I don't know why, because I told you before you did. I want to say a little bit more about why I allowed that interview to go uh, as long as it did and why I allowed him to say everything he wanted to say. Uh, number one, like I said, the underlying concepts are not wrong. The fact that the state is illegitimate and that when an agent of the state engages with you specifically for the activity of denying you of your, your freedom of travel or your money uh, is, a, is a morally incorrect thing uh, is not wrong. But I also live in the real world and I understand that this is the world we live in and that we have a responsibility if we want to change it to change it by as peaceful means as possible. And arguing with police on the side of the road is not going to change the system. It's not going to help. Like I said, if I thought... If I thought risking my life that way would help, I'd do it. But I don't think it'll help. I think it will hurt. I think it will make people more entrenched in the very system we're trying to get rid of. So I don't, I don't endorse that. But the other thing is people deserve to be heard. Um, I bring 99% of the people that I bring on this show, we are like-minded uh, in, in, in you know, innumerable ways. Um, not just on the same side, but on the same side of the same side, if that makes sense. Um, occasionally I'll debate with a guest, but it'll be some sort of a logical debate, uh, like my debate with Ken Berry on uh, unlimited calories on a ketogenic or carnivore diet. Like, I don't believe that works. He says it does. There's a way to prove who's right there. We can figure that out. And, and my belief, and I still, as much as I love Ken, I still haven't had any of the studies I've asked for that prove me wrong. Uh, I say calories matter and calories count. But see, that's, a, that's an intellectual debate. And I'm totally open to being proven wrong about that. And so I think that my my advice to Mr. Gerbert, if he's listening, is learn to be a little bit more diplomatic, especially when you're talking to the people that already mostly agree with you. And uh, I would have loved to have heard more about the mechanics of, of a blockchain-driven 
um, automated legislature, automated governance, uh, where people are free to pursue their dreams. I think that's a great idea. And to be blunt, I don't know whether his idea is valid or not. I think the concept's valid, but his idea's behind it because I heard way too much about how cops are piss boys instead of how to actually do this. And I think that there is some things to be learned from that as well. And uh, I, I look forward to maybe having him retool his uh, message into one that is more, this is what we do, not, oh, go get my free book and it'll tell you how to do it. That is not the purpose of a podcast. Anyway, don't see that as adversarial. I think that Donnie and I are on the same side. We're just not on the same side of the same side when it comes to how to explain it. With that, I hope you did get something out of today's show. If you did and you want to support our show, one of the ways you can do that is do your online shopping through tspaz.com. That's T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. Uh, if you do your online shopping that way, no matter what you eventually buy, you do help us in the work that we do. Uh, I had an item of the day yesterday that I preempted because of the Anchor Power Core deal. I saw a lot of you took advantage of that, and I'm glad you did. Uh, today I have the item that's 70 bucks or less that I don't know of any single item at that price that can do more for your prepping needs, assuming you own a car and you store extra gas. It is a 800-watt power inverter that you can clamp on the, the battery terminals of your car, and you can do things like run fans, small devices, charge electronics, run a couple light bulbs, and even for periods of time, run your refrigerator freezer. And that is an incredibly valuable thing that you can do because if you can just run your refrigerator and freezer for about four hours a day, throw a bunch of blankets over it, you can get through just about any power outage there is. Now, while you're running your refrigerator on a 800-watt inverter, you're probably not doing much of anything else. But you can do that and then do other things. I really recommend a generator. Uh, I have a 6,500-watt generator. Uh, made by Troy Bill. And it is the best investment I've ever made in my preps. It was about 700 bucks at Home Depot, Lowe's, wherever I got it. I don't even remember. Uh, and it has done so much for me. But this is kind of your first step into backup power. And with a good set of, you know, good battery charger, double and triple A batteries for it. Uh, and devices, you know, things to charge your electronic devices and one of these and it may be a couple You know, cheap table lamps with some low-draw LED bulbs, uh, this will get you through most power outages. And at least you have that. And if you don't have it, this at least in your backup power needs, I'm telling you today to add it to your backup power needs. Most of our outages you know, are, 48, are a couple hours to about 48 to 72 hours. And when we go into 48 to 72 hours, that's when we start losing food in our refrigerator and freezer. It costs us, you know, keeping your food... From, from being spoiled, paid for it. That fast, trust me, I just lost a freezer that I didn't know I lost. I, I, it was expensive and, and miserable. So that alone pays for it just in one outage. Now, I do say this. If you plan on running your refrigerator with a power inverter, try it before you need to. Make sure it's going to work. Some refrigerators have no problem doing it. Some don't really work. So if it doesn't work, you need to have another method for doing that. This still... I. I have a couple inverters, and, and, and I have an inverter tied to a, a battery backup system in the toolbox of my truck. And if the power goes out short term, I actually go to it before my big generator. It's quiet, um, and it just it does the little bit that needs to be done if it's going to be a short outage. So even when I have backup generator capability, 
Um, I still rely on these. I rely on them camping. They're just fantastic, and they're not expensive. Check it out. It's also made by Cobra. It's the CP, CP1890, or CPI890, I'm sorry, 800-watt compact power inverter uh, made by Cobra. You can find that at T-SPAD. Just go to survivalpodcast.com, and you know you can click click there, and you can find that item. You can find everything I've ever reviewed, remember, um, at tspaz.com, and if it's there, I own it, I used it, I bought it, etc. And those of you that I told about the PowerCore 20,000 yesterday, PowerCore 220,000 from Anchor, and said it was a deal of the day and the price was going away, I clicked on it just to make sure it did. They're 60 bucks again. You should have got it for 40 when I told you it was available. Uh, back, back, backup power, I guess, is becoming the theme of the week. With that, let's go to our song of the day. Our song of the day has nothing to do with... Um, But backup power, survivalism, anarchism, whatever. It's the most covered song in the history of the world. No song has been covered more times by more people than this song. It was originally done by the Beatles. But it really was done by Paul McCartney. And it's kind of the bifurcation point when the Beatles began to, uh, to drift apart was when this song was put together. It's called Yesterday. I bet a lot of people wouldn't know that. The Yesterday was the most covered song in the history of modern music. Um, but I love this song. And it's kind of a melancholy song of a guy that you know can't get past the fact that his relationship with this girl is over and he's still living in yesterday. Um, that's probably how the song was meant. It was probably not meant to be anything bigger than that. It was a time when most music was not uh, being written to be... Uh, something that was more than itself, more than the sum of its parts. It was it was a time when music was being written to be a story that was. That's why the songs were shorter, there were less lyrics in them, uh, you know, the average song was three minutes or less, etc. I think this one comes into two minutes and something seconds. It's not a real long song. But to me, it still is one of those things. And now all great music can always be expanded to mean more things. I think there's so many people living in yesterday, and there really shouldn't be. Because yesterday is your source of, in some ways, inspiration. And hopefully it's the thing that tempers you in making your decisions going forward by learning from yesterday's mistakes as well and makes you better today. But the future is in today and tomorrow. Yesterday will do nothing for you. And if we live in yesterday, we're wasting our dash. That's the part of the dash you already spent. The part of the dash you have to spend is in today, tomorrow, the next day, and so on. With that, it's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. Now it looks as though they're here to stay. Oh, I believe. Yesterday, suddenly, I'm not half the man I used to be, there's a shadow hanging over me, oh yesterday, can suddenly, why she Now I need a place to hide
Today. 